And now, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, a special hello goes out to the director of media for the Boston Bruins alumni, Mr. Mark Boland. Nice to see you, Marky. Welcome to the Pro Hockey Alumni Podcast, the home of behind-the-scenes interviews, stories, and memories that celebrate the heritage of the great game of hockey. The Pro Hockey Alumni Podcast is hosted by Mark Willand. Episode 23 of the Pro Hockey Alumni Podcast features Mike Antonovich, the talented Minnesota hockey legend and seven-year WHA star with the Minnesota Fighting Saints and the New England Whalers. After three standout seasons at the University of Minnesota, Mike became an original Fighting Saint in 1972. His career blossomed in 1975 when he played left wing in a line with veterans Dave Keon and John McKenzie with the Fighting Saints. He was well on his way to a 40-goal season until the team folded in February 1976. And that Saints team was a threat to win it all in the league that year. Mike still bristles at the fact that they were short-circuited by cash woes. After a brief NHL sabbatical with the NHL North Stars, Mike returned to the WHA in 1976-77 and scored 40 goals, playing for three teams, the last of which was the New England Whalers. Mike represented the Whalers in a 1977-78 WHA All-Star game and remained with the team through their voyage to the NHL in 1979-80. Mike concluded his playing career with the New Jersey Devils and eventually embarked on a long and successful stint as an NHL scout. In fact, he's currently an amateur scout with the Columbus Blue Jackets. Always a friendly and affable guy, Mike enthusiastically shares his memories about WHA legends like Mike Shaky Walton, Gordy Gallant, Johnny McKenzie, Dave Keon, Gordy Howe, Glenn Sonmore, and many more. Just a reminder to subscribe to the podcast and leave a rating on iTunes. It helps us share the stories of these legends with hockey fans throughout the world. Also, places to listen to the show and to contact us are available in the show notes. Finally, please join us on social media, particularly Facebook, where you can follow our classic hockey sites, including... Pro Hockey Alumni, WHA Hockey, Whaler Nation, and the official Boston Bruins Alumni. And now, let's talk classic hockey with Mike Antonovich. Well, we're back on the show with one of the most exciting players of the 1970s in the WHA. Mr. Minnesota Hockey, Mike Antonovich. Mike, thanks so much for being with us here today. Well, thanks for asking me, Mark. Twice you came out on top and won the state high school championships in Minnesota when you were in high school, and uh, coming up short, uh, just short, a third time. Was that something that, as a kid, you looked at as a huge event, uh, something that you'd, you'd love to participate in someday? Well, I think every kid in Minnesota at that time, uh, that was probably the biggest thing to look forward to if you were a hockey player because you, you got to watch it on TV, which we didn't have much TV back then. Nice. But, you know, we got the school tournaments back in the 60s, which was a treat. And, you know, everybody, actually everybody in school, the schools around the state would be watching the tournament. So, yeah, it was a it was something that, you know, you thought about. But really, you know, us guys were busy doing other things too. But, yeah, I think – when you got into high school, that's where you wanted to end up. 
is playing in the state tournament, and we are fortunate enough to do that. Absolutely. One person who, right off the bat, appreciated your level of competitiveness and your skill level was Glenn Sonmore. And I'm assuming he personally recruited you for the University of Minnesota. Yeah, I can, I can remember the first time I saw Glenn. I was about 14 years old, and he said hello to me. And, and uh, from that day, I, I mean, I, just talking to him, I, I figured if I ever had an opportunity to play college hockey, I would love to play for Glenn because he was he was the kind of guy that, you know, he just he was excited about, uh, you know, you as a player and then excited about the game and coaching and everything. So, I mean, it was a, it was a good fit for me, and, and uh, we were kind of from the same – same mold, a little bit crazy, like to have fun, <laughs> right. enjoyed the game, loved the game, you know? So, I mean, it was, it was a good, it was a good first meeting with, with Glenn and, and from that, you know, until he passed away a couple of years ago, I think it's been about three years now, you know, we've been, we were best of friends and, and, uh, he was actually like my second father. So, uh, I was a lucky guy in that respect. He certainly looms large in your career. Glenn was somebody I never had the privilege to meet. I read his biography a few years back I never had a chance to meet him and I obviously knew of him and he was part of some notorious teams over the years as far as toughness was concerned uh, even coming up here to Boston with the Minnesota North Stars eventually and having one of the most penalty filled games of all time the bad news Birmingham Bulls in the WHA and of course you guys had no shortage of toughness but it seems like Glenn was extremely popular with the the guys who played. He had a seems to have a strong sense of loyalty, and uh, was a guy who had a very positive impact in the lives of very many, including yourself. Oh, I think you know Glenn. He just, I mean, I think that's the way he played. I never had a chance to watch him, but when we were at Minnesota, he'd come up and scrimmage with us. And and at, at that time, he was probably in his mid forties, and he competed then with with us guys and. You know, he just had a he just had a love for the game, and he and he and the guys who played for him. I mean, he loved everybody. He wanted everybody to succeed, and you know that that kind of guy just kind of grows on you. You know, you want to play for him, you want to do well for him, and he loved he loved tough guys, and uh, <laughs> loved that the tough guys that he did have, he played. You know, and I mean, he he played them, he respected them, and, and uh, you know they learned they were better players after after they got you know whether they just started their careers with Glenn or finished them. You know, I always thought he, he made those guys better because he respected what they did for, you know, the team and stuff. So it was, he was one of those guys that just had a knack for, for getting, you know, guys to, to play hard. And, and, mm-hmm. and, and he had a lot of respect, for a lot of different players. And that, and that's hard to come by nowadays, I think, in my opinion. You have a very unique situation when you're in college, you, you have, uh, three successful seasons at the University of Minnesota. And Glenn Sonmore is hired by a new team in a new league, the Minnesota Fighting Saints of the World Hockey Association. How much contemplation did you... You were also drafted by the North Stars. So when the opportunity comes up to rejoin Glenn and play play pro hockey, I'm assuming it was a relatively easy decision for you. Uh, yeah, it was. It was, you know, it was really easy. Actually, it was, it was, it was kind of a nice break for me because that, that kind of opened up the... The, uh, the door for for American hockey players through the WHA oh, yeah. and Glenn Glenn was a big part of that with Minnesota with the Fighting Saints. He had Minnesota players, and then throughout the league, a lot of you know American kids started to play, and and so it was yeah, it was a no brainer for me. I, I never thought I was like everybody else coming from northern Minnesota. I was going to be an iron miner and sit at the <laughs> neighborhood bar, shoot the breeze for the next. <laughs> 
but uh, that kind of that kind of changed my 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 uh, my path, I guess. It sure <laughs> did. But uh, what was that first year team experience like? Well, for me, it was it was uh, I, an easy transition because they were all good guys. I mean, uh, the, you know, the guys who who came from the NHL, like Conley and Teddy Hampson and guys like that. They were they were classy guys, and you know, they didn't. They didn't look at us any differently than than than, than pros and, and and people and and I I always respected that you know I, I was pretty fortunate to, to to be able to play with those kind of guys in, early in my career where where they gave you know they gave you advice they tried to help you it was always you know it was you know it was always positive so for for me it was an easy transition I I I, uh, I, I enjoyed. I enjoyed. I I can't say that I didn't enjoy anybody that I ever played with. It mm-hmm. was it was uh, it was a good start to to my career to be be able to know those people right away. The next season, Mike, you guys have it have an upgrade in talent. You bring in some some big name players. Uh, Rick Smith comes over from the NHL. Mike Walton uh, in goal. John Garrett, and the team is starting to. Uh, to really catch on in Minnesota too, in, in St. Paul, you're in the new rink. Um, tell me a little bit about uh, Shaky Walton. He always seemed like an interesting character that year. He was a dominant player, led the league in scoring, but he was also a colorful guy. And uh, what are your what are your recollections of Shaky Walton? I, 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 you talk about an eccentric person. I don't know if that's the right word, but I'll tell you what: if he was a neat freak, he had to have everything in order. Uh, on the road, in his room, uh, in the locker room, his tape. Uh, I mean, he was he was he was a, one of those guys that he prepared and and uh, he just he just was a uh, I, I gave what do you call those guys? They're grade A personality. I mean, he just was was on the go. And I mean, he was one of those guys that you know he was. Everybody talks now about working two hundred feet or whatever it was, but his his knack for scoring. I mean, he just. He could score, and nobody worried about how much defense he played. And I mean, he was a happy-go-lucky guy. I, 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 I loved Shaky Walton. I thought he was, I thought he was a cat's meow because the way he played, <laughs> he didn't, he didn't, he just danced to his own music. And and I think that at that time you could do that. You know, now it's a little bit harder to do. But uh, you know, he was a he was a team guy, guys. You know, I mean, he played the way he played, but he was a good team guy. He was a good teammate. Uh, I I uh, I enjoyed him uh, just like I enjoyed all the rest of them guys, but he was a neat freak, and we tried to we tried to disrupt that a little too, you know. I mean, we tried to you know get him to go, come come over the other side a little bit, but he never he never would take that step. So, but uh, genuine person, good teammate, uh, great hockey player, and uh, whatever he did on the ice and 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 uh, the way he played. That's the, that was Shaky Walton, and everybody respected him for what he did. So, uh, great guy. Absolutely, and as we noted, he led the league in scoring that year. You go into the seventy four seventy five season. You yourself uh, have uh, found consistency in the WHA. The team in seventy four seventy five is strong again, and adds a an element of toughness to the team. By the time the year is over. Certain players like uh, Craig Brackenberry is on the team. Gordy Gallant, of course, played that season. Um, Gordy Gallant was always an interesting character to me. He was almost mythical as a fan. We didn't get a chance to see him much in the Hartford and New England area, but 
to me, who was kind of a old-fashioned gunslinger type. And my, what are your recollections of Gordy Gallant? <laughs> you probably you probably said it the best. There, he was a gunslinger. I mean, he was he wasn't very big, but he was tough, and he would take on anybody, anytime, anywhere, even outside the rink. <laughs> but. <laughs> Character for sure, uh, you know, another guy who, you know, uh, ran into a couple of problems later in his career there in Minnesota, but, uh, you know, genuine. I uh, just, you know, he, he loved to play. Uh, the fans loved him, and, you know, he he loved to play in St. Paul. They, I mean, they still talk about Gordy Gallant, you know, when you talk mm-hmm. about all fighting Saints and stuff, and that's the kind of character he was. He was a, you know, he was a good teammate. He was a good teammate. I, I think he lost his way a little bit. But but you know what? At at that time and and uh, in his career, but he gave everything he had when he was playing. I know that. I, I I've talked to him since, and and uh, you know, I mean, we've all we've all changed a little bit over the years, and he's st- he's still he's still got a little bit of a streak in him, <laughs> which, which, which is good. I, I you know I I got I'm lucky. I got a chance to see him a couple times through my job, so. Uh, touch base with him every once in a while but yeah he he just he just played hard he fought everybody he had you know he had decent skill and stuff but he was really there to intimidate and 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 and, uh play that way and and give us some intensity and that's what he did so i mean he was he was another guy that good teammate good buddy uh enjoyed him and it was too bad the way you know the way it ended but but uh hey things are that's the way it is. That's the way it goes. Yeah, and that's the way it was. I know when I, when I, I see interviews, uh, old interviews with him after that event, uh, he certainly regretted it. What we're talking about for the fans is uh, prior to the series uh, in Hartford against the Whalers, uh, Gordy, for the lack of a better term, had a dust-up with Harry Neal and Jack McCartan in the hotel room and uh, was uh, removed from the roster. You know, I had an interview recently with Paul Stewart, and when Jack Carlson was with the Whalers and Stewart came in for the first time as a Cincinnati Stinger, Jack Kelly, the Whalers GM, who was friends with Paul, told him, you know, don't don't try Jack Carlson. You know, just kind of leave that alone and that's not worth it because this guy is devastating. Um, what are your recollections of, of Jack Carlson as he comes on the roster in 74, 75 and earns quite a reputation right away? Well, Jack's a northern guy. He's a Minnesota guy. He's up on the Iron Range here from my territory, so you know he's got to be tough. <laughs> <laughs> right. Him and his brothers came to camp, and and uh, Jeff and, and Steve and and uh, and Jack. But Jack ended up sticking. And uh, I'll tell you what he he improved a hundred percent over his career. Not only, you know, I mean, he was a fighter. He was tough. He, I mean, he, he didn't look like it, but he could, he could fight. He's one of the toughest guys I've seen. And, and I mean, he's not built like a brick or anything. He just, he just, he could fight. And I mean, he turned out to be a pretty good hockey player. He played a lot with Shaky Walton, uh, protected him, did a great job. And then he went on into the NHL with, you know, with Minnesota. And I think he played a little bit in St. Louis, but mm-hmm. you know, for, from the first time, when I saw him to the, you know, when he was playing at the end of his career, I'll tell you what, he, 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 he worked hard. He competed. He fought everybody. I mean, I, I, I got a lot of respect for that guy. Uh, he made himself into a good player, but again, you know, Glenn Sonmar, when he was on our roster, gave him a chance to play. And that's what made a difference for big Jack because he got a chance to play and he played with 
Shaky Long, which is a pretty good player to play with, you know, and mm-hmm. and uh, contribute a lot on that line. But, you know, uh, Jack, I remember the fight he had, and we had that big brawl in Hartford. Oh, yeah. It was with Nick Futillo. Nick Futillo was, was a tough guy. I mean, I, 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 I like Nick. I, I didn't know him that well, but... You know those guys could throw bombs, and, and they had a hell of a Donnybrook there. <laughs> and uh, I tell you what, I, I'm glad I was standing on the boards watching those guys because <laughs> every one they threw hurt me. <laughs> oh, so yeah. But Jack Carlson is Jack Carlson is, is is you know if you look back at at guys who came in with you know looked like he had limited talent and ability, sure made himself into a good player at, at the. Uh, you know, and had a great career. So, um, did two things. He, he could fight, he scared a lot of guys and, and he could score for a big guy. He had a nice touch. So, uh, I, I, I see Jack occasionally and we still laugh about the old saints. So it's, it's, it's fun to see him and, and, uh, it was fun to play with him too. Absolutely. I remember once with the Whalers, he had a three-goal hat-trick against the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, you are correct. Uh, he did, you know, could break that mold a little bit of just being an enforcer and, you know, became a uh, a serviceable player in the NHL. Uh, meanwhile, going back, Mike, in 75-76, you hit your stride, and the Minnesota Fighting Saints as a team compile one of the best teams in the league because in the offseason, you had... Hockey legends Dave Keon and John McKenzie, along with young kid Paul Holmgren, U.S. hockey legend Henry Boucher, probably easily the most talented team I think that the Fighting Saints, Saints ever had. You eventually find your way on a line with Dave Keon and, and Pye McKenzie. Can you talk a little bit about those two and the, the what they brought to the team and what was it like just uh, being on a team with two uh, veteran players like that? Boy, I'll tell you what, you know, that's it. Uh, those two guys, I, I mean, Johnny McKenzie was, uh, I, I, he had one of the great, he, greatest lines in, uh, in hockey, uh, ever when he talked to the opposing team. I wish I could remember some of the stuff he'd talked to the other, <laughs> other team. I, I'd be laughing in the middle of the game for some of the stuff, but he was a hell of a player. He, he was a small feisty. I learned a lot from Johnny, the way, you know, the way he competed, the way he battled and, I didn't learn his chirping, but I, I listened to it, and I still I still laugh about it. And I, you know, it was so sad to, to to have him pass away here last what maybe a year ago now, or maybe mm-hmm. less. But what a great what a great guy, and, and me fortunate enough to play with him. And then Davy Keon was kind of the opposite. He was he was a master at, at passing the puck and and uh, playing and competing with. You know, he wasn't a big guy. I mean, I I, I was lucky. I, I was lucky my whole career. I, I got to play with those two guys, uh, Hall of Famer. Uh, Keon uh, taught me a lot. Johnny McKenzie taught me a lot. Uh, I, I, I had lots of opportunities with those guys. I, You know, and, and I just – actually, I just went down and visited Davey just before Johnny had passed yeah. away. and had some good conversation about playing and stuff and how he, how they, you know, how he helped me and Johnny had helped me. And, you know, and then he said, you know, I, I, I helped those guys too. So, I mean, that made me feel good because those guys are, you know, some of the, a couple of the top players in the NHL in, in the, in the sixties and seventies. So when you get an opportunity to play with guys like that, you know, you don't want to let them down. And, and for me, it was, it was like, that's what I think of my about my career is the guys I played with, like guys like him. I mean, that 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 was what it 
comes down to, you know, and, mm-hmm. and they're still, they were still friends of mine after. So it was, it was, that's a good feeling, you know. No question about so, that. The 75, 76 Minnesota Fighting Saints, as I said, were, you guys were off and running. Uh, however, I'm, I'm sure the team uh, goes under in February, but I, you knew well before that the things were shaky financially, which was really a shame. I thought it was the worst thing that happened in the WHA because that franchise was well-supported and just couldn't make it. When did you first get the inkling that this was going to be a, a problem? And can you explain a little bit? I've, I've heard stories about duffel bags of cash being brought to airports and things like that, but you guys hung in there as long as you could. Could you talk a little bit about that that crazy time with Minnesota? Well, you're right. I mean, we had we had it. I mean, we I think we had the best team in the league. I, I thought we had the best. We had a lot of good teams. I don't know how good the NHL was at that time, but we had a. I mean, that that team we had there was was exciting. It was good score. We were tough. We had all kinds of all kind of good goaltending, and then I don't know. We 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 started racing to the bank with our paychecks to see who could get them cash first. <laughs> About three months a year. So if you got there late, you didn't get your money. So it was a race. So but uh, you know, there that's what tells you a little bit about guys who were playing in that year and that time. You know, uh, we weren't going to get paid, and we tried to keep it going because they kept telling us something was going to happen. And guys were, you know, I mean, we had families, we had plays, we had rent. You know, we had rent to pay. We, we were like everybody else. We, mm-hmm. you know, and with no money. But uh, you know, that tells you what kind of people we had. We played and, and kept hoping and kept hoping and then all of a sudden, yeah, we all, you know, we knew it was coming. We knew we knew the end was coming. We were hoping it wasn't going to come, but you know, that day in the airport when when they had the money in the bags, and, you know, and then they said, well, that, you know, that's going to be the end of it. I think there was a lot of, uh, I don't know, not yeah, I would say sadness, but a lot of you know guys that were they were, I'd say pissed off because. You know, we had something real good going, and and uh, they let us down. And uh, you know, after that, it was it was hard because you know it was hard because we had a good team and we were playing well. I think we finished in the playoffs, even twenty five games left to go in a oh. year or something. We were still going playoffs. So, I mean, yeah, it was it was a it was a time that was really hard because it, you know we weren't getting paid. Uh, we you know, kept telling us we were gonna we were gonna finish this and we were gonna get it done and and uh, didn't happen so very disappointing and everybody went a different directions and some of those guys I've never seen again you yeah. know so I mean it, that that's the hard part you know uh, never cross paths with some of them again uh, cross paths with a few but yeah disappointing frustrating I still. It still makes me angry when I think there's some, there are a couple of things that still bother me. That's one, that's one of them. I'm not, I mean, I shouldn't say angry, but disappointed, you know, because we were having a great year and guys were having great years, you know, so it's it's just one of those things. And people don't realize that we played for nothing for three months. I mean, nothing. We didn't get a paycheck. I mean, that's a lot of nothing. <laughs> yeah, so, that's it, amazing. Yeah. yeah but, it, it you know, it, it happened. It, it, it was one of the bad things that happened in my life, and and disappointing, most disappointing things that happened. You know, because of the team and the guys that were there, and even the owners. You know, they tried everything they could try and didn't work out. You know, so, right. You make your way to bad. the right. So as you said, everybody disperses. It's 
I think even as a fan, I, I just remember it was so disappointing because that team, as you said, was not only talented but colorful as well. And it, it really was a team that was better than the Minnesota North Stars at that time and drawing at least as well, if not better. You end up with the North Stars uh, briefly in 75-76. The next year, you do something that probably never happened again. You score 40 goals with three different teams in the same season. Uh, starting out with a new version of the Fighting Sands, you get back with, with Pai and uh, Davey Keon, and you're even better than you were the year before as far as yourself personally in that line. You go through the same routine again. You end up here in kind of a brief blip in history as a bunch of players go to Edmonton and then New England. You end up in Edmonton ever so briefly. You ever have to see a picture of yourself in an Edmonton Oilers jersey? I've never seen one. No, I tell you the truth, I haven't either. I haven't thought about it. No, we got to find one. We do. <laughs> That's a rare artifact. I'd love to see that. Uh, but good news for us fans in New England is that yourself and Louis Lavasseur, uh join the rest of the former Fighting Saints in Hartford, and now you're finally with a stable franchise. And it had to be good coming to the Whalers. 76, 77, maybe things didn't click right away with the team, although you, again, played pretty well and ended up with 40 goals. The next year, though, you add the Howe family, and the Whalers have one of the top teams in the entire league. What was it like when the, when the Howes came to Hartford, and now you've played with Keon McKenzie, and now you're playing with the greatest of them all, Gordie Howe? Uh, you know, I, I tell people, I, I, that's why I tell people I, I was a lucky guy. I mean, who 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 not? Who in her right mind would have thought a kid from Calumet, Minnesota, uh, five foot six, one hundred and forty-five pounds, and ever play in that league, and then play with those guys? Uh, you know, I mean, I don't. I Gordy Howe was, you know, I mean, I, I, him and Davy Keon and Mackenzie. I mean, Mark Howe ended up being a great player too. Uh, but just even stand on the same ice as those guys. I mean, for me, it was like wow. And then I played with them, and I got I played with Gordy, and I mean. How lucky can a guy be? You know, I mean, I, I, uh, I just, I, I feel very fortunate to have been on the same uh, teams with those kind of guys. And, and I mean, those, I mean, that's important. That's always been important to me. The game has just been the game, but those guys, even to this day, when I saw, I see Gordy maybe once or twice a year with his son Mark and in Traverse City and we'd talk and we'd laugh and, and, and that was that was what it was all about and, and uh, yeah the Whalers we, we were good then we were really good <laughs> but we didn't win it but we should have that's that's the way it goes but just to play in the same ice and then Mark had that great career and Marty was there and, you know Colleen with the with the Hall group too so I mean it was all uh, you know it was good it was it was uh, Mike Rogers was a great player there and mm-hmm. I mean, we had a lot, a lot of good players, but Gordy Howe was, I mean, I learned a lot from him. I mean, he, he'd stay on the ice late. He'd be there. I, I said, I said, don't you even like to go home? He, I, I said, don't, don't you like your wife? I think he loved hockey. Just even at 50, I mean, it was a mirror. It was amazing. That guy, he was amazing. Uh, he was always incredibly gracious with the fans all the time. And uh, I always, always appreciated that. And he had to be a terrific role model for, guys like yourself and everybody because everything from his impeccable autograph to his willingness to talk to anybody at pretty much any time was certainly admirable. Oh, for sure. I mean, he had time for everybody. I mean, I, 
we could, and that, and the thing was too, even if we had to wait for him to sign autographs and stuff with everybody there, I mean, it was like, nobody cared because that's the kind of guy he was. I mean, I mean, and he was, he was a class guy all the way. I mean, uh, I mean, in everything he did, I, I just, uh, you know, I played, I played bridge with him on the plane. I, you know, I, I mean, I drank beer. I'm how lucky can a guy get? I mean, he's, <laughs> he's the best player I've ever seen in my life. I mean, I, I mean, you know, I mean, and with the Gretzky's and uh, all those other guys, this guy was, I mean, how many guys can play at 50 like he played or 53 or four? I mean, that's, you know, I mean, nobody, nobody, only no. he could do that. Only he could. He was you 50 know? and he had 98 points that first season in Hartford at the age of 50. Something that will certainly never be repeated. Uh, for yourself, Mike, you make the, uh, you're in the WHA All-Star game that year and right about All-Star time, uh, I, one of those things that you can never predict in life, of course, while you're, you guys are on the road, thankfully, the roof collapses at the Hartford Civic Center. Uh, do you remember hearing about that? I, I guess it didn't disrupt your life too much because the Whalers were lucky enough to have a home in Springfield. The fans still supported the Whalers from Hartford going to Springfield. Can you remember a little bit about that time and that event, hearing about that? Well, yeah, we were in Quebec City at the All-Star Game, and I can't remember exactly where, where we were going, but we weren't going home to play. We were going on the road to play. And somebody, I think at the airport or somebody, said the roof fell in. I said, going, what are you talking about? A roof fell in. <laughs> well, the Civic Center, we play hockey. I go, nobody believed on there. We thought they were BSing us, right? Because, I mean, we, but then when we found out, so, I mean, yeah, we didn't. I kind of just went, wow, I didn't know what the heck was going to happen. And then we, like you said, we went to Springfield, which wasn't too bad, but it was really a pain in the hind end because of traffic and driving and stuff. It was, wasn't too exciting, but as far as, yeah, it was, it was hard to go back, go to Springfield and play, although it was, you know, it was a nice rink and a nice town and stuff, but Hey, Hartford, great place to play. It was. (laughs) So yeah, a little, but I think most guys didn't believe it happened. Guys were laughing at us, you know. You guys ain't going to play in Hartford anymore. We're going to play. <laughs> we didn't know what the hell was going on. So, right. yeah, it was one of those things. But, you know, I, I mean, after folding two times with the Saints and stuff and that happened, I, I figured, well, some, I mean, what's going to happen next, you know? <laughs> right. Well, at least the uh, so. the paychecks kept coming. And uh, oh yeah, so it was a little, little better than Minnesota situation. So, um the according to that, that last year the WHA Mike there were been a lot of rumors about the league now you're down to six teams I talked to Jordy Douglas Jordy Douglas in our previous episode about the overall thought process or if there was anything different a different feel about that last year did you feel like it was the end of the WHA while you were playing that last season never really thought much about it just wondering what was going to happen you know down the road at the end, you know, with uh, with the NHL and, you know, how they were going to do it, what they were going to, you know, what was going to happen, how they were going to disperse guys. I think there was a lot going on that people didn't really realize that it was a big, that was going to be a big change, you know, and, and, the, and the guys in the WHA, and this is my own opinion, Mark, they didn't get a fair shake, I don't think, and, and I'm still disappointed up to this day because the WHA and, and, Players in the WHA were better than the way they treated them at the end with the NHL. Mm-hmm. It, it was almost they sacrificed a lot of players to get into the NHL, and I thought that was wrong. I mean, myself, I 
I had plenty of other things I could have done or would have done or, you know, I wasn't, but I'm still disappointed to this day. They don't recognize the WHA and they should have because they took the best players and the best teams and they were pretty doggone good in, in the NHL and the rest of the guys, they just kind of just went by the wayside. And that was the sad part. But as far as Hartford getting in the NHL, I thought it was great. Quebec, Edmonton, you know, I mean, those teams, uh, Winnipeg, yeah, but there were a lot of guys that got they got uh, the short end of the stick, in my opinion, and I still feel bad about that. But it is what it is. Uh, I think it was a sad day for the WHA uh, because it was a great league, and it you gave a lot of guys an opportunity to play hockey, and and uh, and some of them a great opportunity to get into the NHL when they did join the NHL. But there's a lot of other guys that were that were left out and uh you know it is you know I'm, I'm sad about that but i was glad that they they did merge I, I thought they could have did a little more for the players in the wha than they did you know that's right. that's just me no there was a lot of wha pride even among us fans that we i was always pulling for you guys and always looked at the wha players a little bit of an underdog and when you know players would go into the nhl and have success i always took uh, from a fan standpoint, I always took pride in that, uh, to be sure. Um, when you, the Whales come out of the NHL and you bounce around a little bit, I wanted to ask you about, you have a couple of years where you tear up the uh, Central Hockey League with Tulsa and Nashville, play extremely well. What's your mindset there, Mike? Are you discouraged? Are you saying to yourself, am I going to, do you think you're ever going to get a chance, a, a good shot to play in the NHL while you're dominating and not getting called up for those two years in the Central League? Well, you know what? I always liked to play. I didn't care where I played. I, I just had fun playing. I, I mean, the NHL was NHL, for, you know, and I, I mean, I, I respected the league. I always thought I'd get it because I was, I was, I always thought I was good enough, you know, because I think you have to believe that to mm-hmm. do it. And, and I, I was, I think I was 31 or 30 or 31 playing in the central league. And I, I, you know, if it happened, it happened. I wasn't, I wasn't worried about it. I wasn't concerned about it. That wasn't, you know, I mean, I, I had, I had had a good career in the WHA. I knew I was good enough to play in the American league or the central league. I, I knew I was good enough to play in the NHL. Uh, uh, but I, if it did happen, it happened. If, if it didn't happen, it wouldn't, have, it wouldn't, have, uh, bothered me because I, I had an opportunity to play with great players in a great league. I had a chance to play in the NHL uh, a little bit. So it it was more than a little guy from Chalumet could <laughs> could have thought. So I mean I I I I would hope it would happen and then Max McNabb made it happen. So thanks Max. He was he was the guy that, that gave me an opportunity to to play with New Jersey. So I mean yeah, at 31, that's pretty good. <laughs> right. No, I, I was you know? very, very happy to see you in, in the National Hockey League because after the the two years had gone by, you start to wonder, as you said, you were, you weren't uh, 18 or 19 at that point, and Max McDab gives you a shot. You played two years with the Devils. Yeah, you had a guy on there that I got to know over the years who would end up becoming the second winningest coach in the history of hockey. Joel Quenville was a teammate of yours with the Devils. Uh, did, did you see those? Uh, Qualities in Joel as as a as a player with the Devils. 
you know, you never know what somebody's going to do after, you know, you always wonder, you know, what, you know, what, what's going to happen or where you're going to go. A lot of guys were, you know, in our era, most guys were going to go home and work because, you know, the money, you know, wasn't where, you know, where it is today, which is, I think it's great for the players now today, but yeah, you just, you never know. And I, I, I mean, some guys like Mike Kitchen with, with Joel, I mean, I mean, it was amazing. Those guys were together and I played with both of them in New Jersey and, you know, yeah, but I was always rooting for those guys. They were good guys, and I know they were going to be great coach. Heck no. You know, we were just having fun playing hockey, you know. <laughs> and some of those, I mean, I, you never know what, what road you're going to travel, I don't think. But, like, when I saw him, you know, coaching and, and uh, you know, we, we, we saw each other at the draft and, you know, laughed about the, the devils. And that's the kind of stuff that's good, you know. I mean, it's all good. You hope the guys you played with are successful uh both on the ice and off the ice you know and a lot of them were and a lot of them weren't you know we 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 took our lumps and uh went our directions but overall i think we're all we were all good people and good things happened to a lot of us most of us so it was it was fun to see joel have a career like that i I was in st louis because i scouted with st louis for 19 years and joel Mm -hmm. was there was coaching there for about five or six so I got to see him a lot then and then uh you know he got let go and Larry Plough was there my old Hartford buddy and mm-hmm. so we we uh we managed to stay around around the game for a long time <laughs> that's for sure it says a lot for you you're you're as you noted you've had a long career in in successful career in scouting with the Jets and the Blues and now with the Columbus Blue Jackets how did your when did you make the decision because scouting is not as you know it, it it's a sacrifice i mean you're, you're traveling it's a lot of work uh, when did you make that decision you'd like to get into scouting and how did that all come about well that goes right back to glenn sonmore uh glenn sonmore made a call for to jim gregory at central scouting uh which was a service of the nhl when i retired and uh Jim Gregory hired me as a part-time guy in Minnesota. <laughs> so it started in 19, well, I think it was 1904, and uh, went from there to like St. Louis and now in Columbus. So yeah, I was very fortunate to have good people, and and, and Dave Gregory uh, took a chance. I, I never met the guy. I talked to him on the phone. He hired me on Glenn's recommendation. So it's, it's all it's all been good. It's been it's been a lot of fun. And, and it's been a good run for me, especially. It sure has. I want to ask you one last thing: as you're scouting for Columbus or any team you, you've been scouting with, what's the, the intangible? Obviously, you're able to judge the player's talent on the ice, but what type of intangibles, uh, attitude type of things, are you looking for in a young hockey player? Well, for me, it's compete and character. Uh, you know, I, I like I like to watch the things he does on the ice, how he competes on the ice, how, you know, he, uh, his skill, you know, uh, but really compete character. You talk to people around, you try to find out what kind of kid he is, and you know, you, you get positive feedback. And most of these kids are good kids, you know. They don't they don't have any black holes. They're 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 all pretty pretty upstanding young men now, and and so it's it's fun to it's fun to to watch and it's fun to to see them progress and 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 it's fun to see if you made the right decision or the wrong one so Mm -hmm. for me it'd be character and and compete and skill so uh ideally if you know a kid named tj oshi he's 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 what i call 
mm-hmm. the ideal hockey player of the new generation, compete, skill, character. Uh, you know, he, he'd be the guy that, that I would have loved to have played with. And I think guys like Eon and McKenzie would have loved that guy too. So, I mean, he's, he's one of the guys I, of all the guys that, I, that I've watched over the last 35 years or so, he's, he's the guy that, that, uh, I, I just, I'm glad I had an opportunity to see him play it and, and, and get to know him as a person a little bit. So that, that's the, that's the thing for me. That's, but it's again, it's It's the people, the people you meet, the people you, you talk to the kids, you know, I got kids that are 47 or 48 years old that were, that I was scouting, you know, when they were <laughs> kids. So All right. you go through, you go through and you, you see them because you're still in the hockey business and you get to know them when they're draftable and you try to stay, you know, watch them, watch their careers and stuff. And so that's been the fun part for me in, in the scouting and, and, uh, you know, and those guys are, they've been very successful and, and now with the money they make, boy, I'll tell you what, what a job. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. It's a much different, it's, you know, when we look at, uh, boss, I work with the Boston Bruins alumni and, we have a lot of guys who stayed in the area. However, if you look at the new generation, I don't think that there'll be a lot of them will be staying here because they'll all be off in the warm weather climates because they don't have to stay for business purposes anymore. Mike, when you're uh, just wanted to wrap up and ask, you've had a long career in hockey, and then all of a sudden you had a uh, long tenure in the, the civics end of uh, life as a mayor of uh, your town in Coleraine. I find that to be very, very interesting. I was curious what attributes that you picked up and learned from your career as a as a hockey player that would help you then become a successful mayor, which is not too many people do that in sports. And uh, what 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 traits carried over and the disciplines that carried over to your your private life like that? Well, I, I just think just by the people that, that I was around, the respect they showed, you know, for young people and the people around them, I think that's just like politics. I mean, you got to respect everybody's opinion. You don't have to agree all the time, but you can respect their opinion. And I, I think that was probably the best, biggest thing for me. I mean, I, I uh, you know, I, I had a lot of respect for the people. I played in this town, and, and there were a lot of people that were still, when I was yeah, they're older now, but... You know they they uh, they they voted me in and and uh, they, they respected me enough to give me a chance to do that and and uh, it was it was a learning process because even in a small town small town politics can be aggravating mm-hmm. but uh, I learned to listen uh, better uh, you know uh, I grew up I think uh, knowing that you know you got you're responsible for a couple thousand people and trying to make decisions that affect all these people and trying to make the right ones and argue against the wrong ones and stuff. So it's a little give and take. I, I got beat up a little bit once in a while, but uh, that was part of the job. But I, I think I learned it and I learned to compete from hockey too. And I learned, you know, respect. And, and I think that's helped me, uh, helped me do that job. And I, and I think I did a good job. I, I, I you know, I, uh, I did it for six years and retired and uh, it uh, I still get to dabble a little bit in the in the politics but not mm-hmm. much <laughs> but but it was it was 
it was a good learning process for me. It was like, you know, it was something new and, and I think that it was a challenge and, and I, I've always liked challenges. And, uh, so for me it was, it was fun. I treated it as fun again. I, I didn't, I didn't think I, I, I didn't change at all. I didn't, you know, think I was, had any power. I just wanted to, to see if I could make something happen better in this city. And, and, and that's all. So it was fun. It was fun for me to do, uh, aggravating, like I said, <laughs> and my wife, wife was glad I quit, I think, <laughs> or retired, but, but, uh, no, just, it was fun. It was fun. I'm glad I, I'm glad I, I, I did it. Uh, I wish I would have tried it a little bit earlier cause I would have liked to try a different level. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe and for something a little bit higher. Uh, but, uh, it happened so late in my life that, uh, I don't think, I don't think this is a good time to start. So, uh, good time to retire but not a good time to start <laughs> right well i tell you uh as i said i enjoyed immensely watching you play uh, especially as a whaler and i'm really glad you've had a long career and you've been able to uh find yourself in organizations that respect what you do and, and have a, a a long career that continues today i'm glad you're still in the game uh mostly i'm really appreciative of you taking the time to talk with us tonight and talk to the fans and we really appreciate it, Mike, and we hope to uh, catch up to you again soon. But in the meantime, thanks so much. We appreciate it. Well, thanks for asking me. I had a, I enjoyed it very much because it's always nice to remember. Absolutely. Always. And I, I, I miss Hartford. Well, Hartford misses you, and next time we have a reunion, we have to make sure that uh, we work it around your schedule. You can get up here and uh, say hello to the fans again. I'd like to do that. Believe me. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, Mark, thank you. Take care. Bye-bye, bud. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Pro Hockey Alumni Podcast. Be sure to visit us at prohockeyalumni.org.